Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Good morning. Father, I do thank you because you are a sovereign God. You sit high and you look low. God, you know all that everyone in this room need at the same time. And yet we come to lift you up and to magnify your name. We come to glorify you, God. And we pray that you would have your way in this room. God, don't let anyone come in here and leave out the same way. But by your spirit, God, fill this room with your presence. God, we thank you right now for healing and deliverance. We thank you for God healing the sick. We thank you for healing the mind. God, we thank you for the one that needs you the most. Don't let them walk out this door, but God, let something they hear cause them to come and yield to the sovereign God. And God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this place. I submit my members to you, God, that you can use them any way you want to. It's all about you. And so, God, I thank you for having your way in this room. And I glorify you for what you're going to do for your people today, God. In Jesus' name. Barren, broke, but blessed. The story of Hannah is someone that you probably heard before. And as I begin to study Hannah, the title was something Bonita said to me back in January. And it just stuck with me. Because I know that all of us have had episodes of barrenness and brokenness. And Hannah teaches us through her life how to deal with something you can't change. She shows us how to do it the right way. And I know I haven't arrived yet, so I'm going to have some transparency, and you are welcome to have some too. But Hannah shows us how to endure and deal with life situations that are not in your control and things that you can't change. And sometimes in life, we have those situations show up in our lives that we cannot change and we cannot control. And we don't like it. I don't like it. I'll speak for me. But have you ever longed for something and you wanted it real bad? You prayed. You fasted. You laid out before the Lord. You tried to sweat some blood. You wanted this bad and you prayed and you cried and you prayed and you cried. And nothing changed. Hannah was barren. She was a woman of God, but she was barren. What that tells me is she could be sitting on the front row at your local church with her 20-piece suit on, with her hands raised in praise and worship, and barren. Okay, she can be in the choir, faithful and barren. That's comforting to know. It's always good to know you're not the only one. And Hannah teaches us back then 
how to live with being barren. Now, I want to make sure that we understand that barrenness, in the sense, in this, this, this book, is talking about not having children. But that's not what barren covers. Barren is a deficiency, not being able to have or produce. It's unfruitfulness, unproductive, desert-like, emptiness, unable, desolate. That's what barren is. Barrenness don't just apply to women. Because some men in here could probably tell you they know what being barren is like. Not when it comes to having a baby, but when it comes to being empty. Barrenness. It applies to men and women. And I was thinking about different things that we go through that are barren. We can have physical barren, like not have, being able to have a baby. You can have some barren in, in your checkbook. <laughs> you can have some barren in your marriage. You can have barrens in your relationships, barren in your business. You can have some mental barrenness, unfruitful thinking, void of peace, impoverished perspectives. You can be barren in your mind. You can be emotionally barren. You ever run into that person that seems like they don't feel nothing? They lack the ability to show forth emotion. Barrenness, joyless, run into that person that never, ever have a smile. Deficient of joy, barrenness, lacking. You can have spiritual barrenness. Now, you ain't got to raise your hand, but you know your praise and worship could be unfruitful. You can come into the church and be desolate and tired like a desert and expect Kalea to put something in there and you're barren. Void of purpose, void of vision, barrenness in the spirit. Unfruitful ministries, barrenness. Unfruitful church, unfruitful in your evangelism. Barrenness is big. It's not, it's not closed up to having that baby. Barrenness is the lack of and being unfruitful. And we've all had something. But this isn't the will of God concerning us. Because God says his desire for us is to be in health and prosper, even as our soul prosper. He wants you to be fruitful. The Bible talks about constantly about multiplying. God is a God of multiplicity. So there's a reason for barrenness. Because that's not what God's will is. Barrenness. If you go to verse 3 in there, and I want to kind of skip around because it is a lot of verses in there. And I'm just going to touch on the ones that follow. It says that the man went up, Elkanah went up every year to worship. He took his family, packed them all up. And they go to Shiloh, to the temple, the tabernacle, so that they can worship. Once a year, he pack up the whole family. He has Hannah in tow, Penaniah in tow, and he goes up every year to present and worship. And verse 3 talks about how he gives to Penaniah, 
Now she has all these sons and daughters, and Hannah has none. Hannah's barren, and her sister wife is spitting them out by the half dozen. And here she is, and Elkanah gives to Paniah and her children their portion. Then he turns around and gives Hannah a double portion because he loved her. You didn't hear anything about him loving Paniah. I'm not saying he did. I'm saying he didn't say he loved her. And so they, since they put it in there that he loved Hannah, that means something. And then he said he loved Hannah, but the Lord shut up her womb. Sometimes our wounds can get shut up. Sometimes it's our fault. Something we said, a choice we made, a decision that we made can shut up our womb. Some type of rebellion can shut up our womb. But this wasn't Hannah's case. It says the Lord shut up her womb. It was the Lord. Sometimes the Lord might need to shut up your job. Sometimes he might need to shut up your marriage. Sometimes your bank account might need to be shut up. The home can be barren and shut up. You ever go in somebody's house that's just so quiet, nobody talk to nobody. Barren of relationships in the house. We can find ourselves in a place of barrenness. And the first thing that I say you should think about when you find yourself in a barren place, is God talking to me? Because remember, his will is for you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So if you get to the point where you're feeling like this is dry, I don't care how much water I put on it, it won't live. Barrenness. You need to stop and see if God sent out an amber alert. You know what the amber alert is? Sometimes he got to do something major to get your attention. It comes straight through the phone. I don't, the phone can almost be off. And that amber alert is going to pop through. Barrenness. God will not bless foolishness. So if you're in the midst of foolishness and it's barren, there's a reason why it's barren. There's a reason. And God will shut up our wounds until we change. Now, you know, for some of us, that's a long time. You know you, but so does God. He'll shut up your womb until you surrender. God will shut up your womb until you put him first. So if you got somebody that you, you put in first, God will shut it up till he gets his attention first. He'll shut up your wound until you give him his 10% off the top. You'll go to work and get paid every time and can't figure out where the money go. You do more with the 90%. But he'll shut up your wound over that 10%. He'll shut up your wound until you just obedient. He'll shut up your wound until you help the person he's been trying to get you to help all the time. He'll shut up your wound until you pick up that person along the way with that big, nice caddy on the way to church that you won't pick. He'll shut your wound up. You'll have a new car and it won't work. He'll get it. He'll shut up your wound until you give that time that belongs to him. He'll do it. 
And you know, when a woman can't have a baby, the first question is why? Why can't I have a baby? When you're barren in your business, why won't the business survive? When you're barren in your marriage, why won't it get better? God will shut some things up because you ain't ready. That's not all the case. But he will. He'll shut it up because you, there's nothing worse than getting a blessing you ain't ready for. They've proven that with the lottery. People with the millions of dollars, they broke in a year. They're not ready for it. He'll shut it up. Make sure you don't mess it up. So he'll keep it until you're ready. God is sovereign. He don't have to give us a reason why. He doesn't, but sometimes it's his timing. You know, our timing and his timing don't line up. But he'll shut it up until his time. Sometimes it's just for his glory. Hannah, here she lies barren, but she's believing. Are you barren and believing? God can do something with that. She's barren and believing. And since Hannah was a woman of God, I'm thinking maybe, you know, she was barren and believing, but maybe she heard about Sarah. Sarah was barren for a long time, looking drop-dead gorgeous at 90. And here she is having a baby. Maybe she heard about Rebecca. She might have heard about Rebecca. She was barren, but she brought about Jacob and Esau. Maybe she heard about Rachel, who was barren, who she probably can identify with because he loved her. But she was barren. But she brought about Joseph and Benjamin. It doesn't matter what she knew, what she heard, what was inside of her. She was barren, but believing. She was believing God because he had the power for her to be able to conceive. If he hadn't done it for Sarah and them, he ain't got no respect to person, right? If he ain't got no respect to person, surely Hannah stayed in there barren and believing. But the thing about her being barren and believing, you know, when, you, when you're in a desert place for a long time, you know, when something ain't working for a long time, you have a tendency to get tired of it not working. Sometimes people give up. But this isn't Hannah's case. Yearly, she went. She was persistent, barren and believing. Many years, persistent. In verse 5, it talks about how he gave Paniah and her children their portion. But then he gives... Hannah, who hadn't had no baby, she ain't carried nobody nine months, she ain't rearing nobody, he gives her double. He gives her double. Here she is barren, believing, and she's still blessed. Now, you know, people miss out on the fact that they're blessed in the middle of their barrenness because your focus is on the thing that you're missing. 
And so you can have the whole other 99 and you be on that 1% talking about, oh me, oh my. I, I think it's human nature. The focus comes in on that one thing and all the other stuff that God has just blessed you with. The fact that you just get in your car and you got to be able to come up to the church. There's a blessing in that because somebody's walking. But we'll miss all that one part because you couldn't get that one thing that you wanted. But Hannah, not Hannah. Hannah was barren, believing, and blessed in the middle of it. Every year, in verse 7, it's 6 and 7, it talks about every year she's packed up and we're going to worship in Shiloh. They're going to worship. And here is Paniah. We're getting ready to worship, and Paniah comes along and says, we're your children. That's cold, but you think about it. Isn't there always somebody that reminds you of the thing you don't have? There's always somebody that can point out that one spot. You done done everything right with everything else, but they see that one thing. It's true. And so Paniah is the one to say, look, look what, what's going on here? And Hannah, praise God for Hannah. She took that in, that ridicule and teasing and taunting every year. She'd go right back there and Paniah dancing. I'm sure they probably was having a soul train dance. Her and her kids. And Hannah's sitting right there, barren and believing. Barren and believing. One thing I like about Hannah, she didn't stop coming to church. Now, you know us. Now, she said year after year after year. And you know day after day after day, something don't go right. We ain't coming to church. Week after week, you ain't coming to church. Year after year after year, Hannah is going to make it to the church to get her teasing. She's going to worship, and she knows she's going to be taunted, but she's going. She's going because you know why she's going? Because she's barren and believing. She ain't going to quit going because she's believing something somewhere, somewhere down the line, something's going to change. So she keeps going, barren and believing. I like this when I got to the verse 8. Elkanah, her husband, he, he comes to her and is like, why are you crying, baby? Why are you upset? Why are you grieving? Am I not better than you than ten sons? Now theologians do this two ways. <laughs> the theologians do this two ways. They say that this could be a picture of God who is giving to us and he's better than us than anything we could want but we're trying to go after something insignificant. But when I read this, this is what I saw. Ananias said, I mean, Elkanah said, baby, I'm good to you. What you mean with that? Am I not good to you? And see, what Elkanah didn't understand, he was good. Elkanah was a good man. He loved his wife. He was good. But he wanted to feel something inside of Hannah that can only be filled by God. And he didn't catch that. He couldn't see how what he was giving to her wasn't enough. 
But there's some times when we can have an emptiness inside of us, a longing inside of us, something deep-rooted in us, and there is nobody can fit that. This longing can go on. Money can't fix it. You can be a professional student like me, and that's not going to fix it. You know, some people go to school for a while and get educated, and they think they can fix everything. But there can be a longing that education can't fix it. You can pick up the phone, and the friends ain't going to fix it. That's funny. Uh, mama ain't going to fix it. Daddy is not going to fix it. Your husband is not going to fix it. Your wife can't fix everything. Why is she finding your socks? There's a longing. And Hannah knew what she needed was Jesus. She knew. God can't fix, y'all can't fix this. Hannah said, I got to go to the temple to get in the presence of somebody who can fix it. And her longing and her desperation in her barrenness, it led to her being broken. You know what brokenness is, right? When it's damaged, it's altered, it's out of your control. You can't change it. It won't work right. Brokenness, you can't change it. It won't work right. Brokenness is when God deals with our pride. Sometimes he has to break you off. And not in a good way. He has to break you off of that independent feeling. He got to make sure you don't feel like you did it. So God has to have some brokenness in him. And here is Hannah. Now that she's been barren and she's taunted and she's teased, she's broken. And the scripture says she's crying. And she has this deep sorrow and this anxiety and this anguish going on. And she's hurting. And as Paniah taunts her, she's already hurting. She's broken. But there's always somebody who keep you on your knees. It could be a family member. You ain't got to raise your hand. It's always somebody that will keep you on your knees. There's always somebody. Y'all ain't got to tell me. I know. There's always somebody to make you pray. It's always. I got one at work. I pray real good at work. I have to have praise and worship at work. Because there's always someone. I just, God sent them. You're going to grow. That's, that's what I feel like. Every time I see that woman, I am growing. Y'all may not see it, but I'm telling you, I'm growing leaps and bounds inside. Brokenness. It's the way God brings everything in our life, every aspect, into obedience and submission. He uses brokenness to get us where we need to be. And so here's Hannah, broken. And her brokenness is pushing her towards purpose. Now, of course, a lot of times when we're in our barrenness and our brokenness, we don't recognize that there's purpose on the other side of it because we're just tired of hurting. But here's Hannah. Now she's broken and believing. 
She's barren and believing, and now she's broken and believing. Barren, brokenness pushes us towards our purpose. And then David showed us in Psalms 51 that brokenness is an appropriate response to sin. David was broken. He brought about that contrite spirit that God is looking for in his brokenness. Sometimes God has to break us to let stuff go that we shouldn't have had in the first place. Be holding on to it. He didn't took it and you trying to find it. Brokenness. Eventually you'll let it go. And that's what his goal is, to get you to let it go. Brokenness brings about humility and strengthening our faith like the woman, the Canaanite woman that come to Jesus for her child was vexed. She, she had to humble herself because Jesus didn't seem like he was nice to her. But she knew even them dogs needed to get the crumbs because she was desperate for something. And in her desperation, she humbled her. She went on in and worshipped because she knew Jesus had something she needed. And she was ready to be broken to get it. Most of us run away from brokenness. Nobody want to be broke. You don't want to be crying all the time, but it's something that God uses to get us where he needs us to be. So Hannah didn't run from her brokenness. She didn't run from her brokenness. There's something about being broken that makes you more usable to God. I was thinking about when I was younger and I used to go to the skating rink. And yeah, I used to skate. Um, and then at a point in the skating, there was a time where you would go get these glow sticks and you would tie them to your skates. And the next couple of songs that they would play, you, they would dim the lights. And everybody had on their skates these little glow sticks. There was something special about these glow sticks. Because before you could do it, you had to go to the store and you buy your glow stick and it was something, you had to break it. You had to break the glow stick. Y'all ever see them glow sticks? And when you break it, that's when it glowed. It wouldn't glow if you didn't break it. So to get the best out of you, God's got to break you. God's got to break you. Now Hannah is barren, believing. Now she's broken and believing. And her brokenness motivated her to prayer. It motivated her even more to get into the presence of God. Does your brokenness motivate you to get in the presence of God? Or do you seek out somebody else that can't feel it? Her brokenness elevated her prayer life. She took it to a whole nother level. When you go into verse 9 and 10, she goes into the tabernacle and Eli is watching her. And she's so broke. He thinks that she is drunk in the tabernacle. Now, you need to think the men used to go to the tabernacle. And the women came along. Hannah was front row because she was barren and broken but believing. So she's in the tabernacle, and she's crying out. You ever cry so much that the voice is gone? I'm the only one that's done that. I mean, really, you, you just slow, there's, there's no more voice. And here is Hannah. She, she's not even speaking. Her lips are moving. But she's crying out inside. You know who can hear her. Eli couldn't hear her 
And he thought the wrong thing. He couldn't hear her, so he thought the wrong thing. But she had to correct him. She told him, no, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm a bit discouraged. And she was pouring out her heart before the Lord. She explains her situation to Eli. Now Eli is enlightened with, oh, you're not drunk. You, you really are a woman of God. And so at the moment of him realizing that she wasn't drunk, but her sorrowfulness, her fervency in her prayer was why she was there. Eli speaks the blessing, the prophecy of the blessing to come to her. I was impressed with, with Hannah when she went to the temple and she cried out. And, and I say I'm impressed with her because of what I do for a living. You know, I'm a clinical director, so I provide therapy in, in three counties. Um, and so I managed the therapist, and I thought about how Hannah went to the temple. She didn't use it as an excuse to light up no blunt. She didn't use it as an excuse to get drunk. She didn't use it as an excuse to go find some comfort overnight. Because that, you know, people will take something and then this is why I did this. She didn't use it to conjure up no bad behavior and then go back to the Lord and say, well, you know, I did this because I just couldn't have that baby. Because people do that. They'll take their barrenness and their brokenness and they'll use it as an excuse to do something that they know is not of God. And then they'll repent right behind it and then they repent on Sunday and then Monday they'll go do it again. And then when you confront them, they're very quick to tell you, I'm broke. That's my excuse, I'm broke. Right? I'm barren. I'm trying. People, I'm impressed with Hannah. She didn't cuss her out. She didn't cuss her out. She took that suffering year after year and she didn't act out. Didn't get no vices. It's because she was bearing and believing. Broke and believing. And now she's in the temple and Eli has spoken the blessing to come. I like that. In verse 17, Eli tells her to go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your request. He slipped something else in there. She went in to get the blessing of conception. But Eli sent her out with some peace. You know she didn't have no peace. She's got Penina in this ear, and she's working with, with Elkanah on this side, who's trying to give her everything that she wants, and he can't see the void, can't be filled by him. And here is Penina on the other side, reminding her of what she don't have. She had no peace in a long time. But Eli said, here, take this peace with you on your way out. And she left out. And it was her faith underneath it all. Because when he spoke that word, that blessing of prophecy to her about Samuel on the way, she said she went on and ate, and her countenance changed. Because she had just got the word that says what she had been seeking God for for all this time was on the way. Hannah was barren, 
but believing. Broken, but believing. Which ultimately led to her blessing. Now we likewise got to believe God in the midst of our barrenness, because we got some. Everybody has a place that can be filled or refilled. Everybody got a place of brokenness, whether it's through the death of someone, brokenness, where you something you just can't change. You can't control it. You learn how to cope with it. We got to believe God in the middle of it. Because the blessing was in her faith that she never stopped believing God. And that's what we got to do. Never stop believing God. I don't care how dismal it looked. I don't care what people were saying. I don't care how your natural eyes look at it. Because we walk by faith and not by what we see. And when we stare at what we see, we miss God. A lot of times we just miss him. Because we're looking at the thing. We're looking at the creation instead of the creator. And we miss God often. So when it don't look right, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. And start talking to yourself about what you know God can do. He don't have a respect of person, so why is he going to have respect over you? You're just like the next person. If he can do it for other people, he can do it for you. But it takes you believing in the midst of your barrenness. In the midst of your brokenness. Believe him. Because he's still God. It don't always work out the way you think it will. But he's still God. And he knows what's best for us. Amen? Amen. Everyone stand up. I don't know where you are on your journey towards heaven, but I pray that you're on the journey. Now, we started talking about barrenness and how it applies to not being able to have, to give, give birth and have a child. And there are times when we find ourselves in a barren situation and a broken situation. And if you're not in the body of Christ, I want to first remind you about a virgin womb that brought forth a baby. And next week or a couple of weeks from now, there's a day that they picked out to celebrate this baby. But the celebration of that baby should be every day. And that baby is Jesus. Because we need him more now than we have ever needed him before. On my job, there's a woman and she's not saved. And I remember hearing her say last week, I don't even believe in Jesus, but I think we need him. The world has just gotten that bad. The people that don't even believe know they need something. Something needs to change. So I want to offer an opportunity for that person that do not know baby Jesus. 
who grew into become the man of God, who took on the sins of the world, who took a beating on his way to a cross for some ungrateful people, undeserving people. We didn't deserve it. And every time I think about that beating he took, it hurts my heart. How they put in his beard on his way. It hurts my heart. Because every time I do something I know I shouldn't have done, I feel like I'm putting another bruise on him on his way. And so if you're in this room today, and you don't know Jesus, not what Grandma said he was, and we came to church because they made us all come. But if you don't know him for yourself, as the evangelism team walks, reach out. Will your heart and soul say yes? Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.